And that was Lucy Kaplansky. I'm Ron Alesco, and you're listening to Traditions on WFDUFM in Teaneck, New Jersey. And also now we're simulcast on folkmusicnotebook.com. I am so happy to have this next guest in our studio. I have been um, a fan of her music since, oh gosh, when did I first hear you or see you? I guess it probably was at the Northeast Regional Folk Alliance Conference a few years ago. You gave me one of your CDs. And uh, I remember, uh, well, you've, you've heard me play her music before. And, I, and, and the one song, uh, National Anthem, Arise, Arise, it, it's been recorded by a couple of other people. I, and it's just a, one of the greatest songs I think I've heard of this past decade. And now she has a new CD out. It's called Sisterly. It's, uh, it's been winning some awards. And she's got a gig coming up at Rockwoods this week. And right now she's in our studio. I'd like to welcome Jean Rowe to the show. Jean, how are you? Hi, Ron. I'm doing great. How uh, are you? I'm doing terrific, especially now that you're here, too. What a, what a great day it's been. First Scott Wilson, now you. I'm one of the luckiest men alive I mean, <laughs> to have all this great music. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, let's let's talk about Sisterly. This is your latest project. It came out um, earlier this year, correct? Yeah, just actually at the end, very end, end of, of last, last year. year. It's almost a year old now. Uh-huh. Yeah, wow. yeah. And this is how many albums for you? Um, this is my second album under my name. Mm-hmm. I also have a couple records with Robinson and Rowe, my duo mm-hmm. with Liam Robinson, right. um, that I also write for. Um, yeah, but this this record is kind of a newer sound for my music. Was yeah. mainly um, more of a drum set oriented arrangement for a lot of music. So it's um, that's kind of a a departure in some ways from the stuff that I've made before. Uh-huh. Um, but really with the songwriting at the center of sure. everything. Yeah. You're an amazing songwriter. And uh, well, yeah, before I'm, I'm talking about it, let, how about sharing a song with us? Let's, oh, absolutely. Let's our audience hear it for themselves. <laughs> hey, why not? Here I stand. Uh, this is a tune from Sister Lee. I'm going to play Ashes to Ashes. <laughs> Years will slip and we'll 
song mm. ashes to ashes gene Rowe. oh that's a song from the album sisterly that gene performed in our, in our studios uh gene i, I want to say congratulations because i understand this cd sisterly won the uh, adult contemporary album at the uh, independent music awards this year so yeah back in june nice. thank you nice Thanks. Uh, the, your songs are are so evocative um that they're narratives and I can see, you know, some, some real roots music that comes into into what you're doing as well. Tell us about your background. Where where did all of this come from? Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's really hard to say, but I can tell you, um, I, I grew up singing a lot with my family. That was really formative for me, and um, music was just a huge part of our life at home. My mom is a really great singer, and. Um, has this really intuitive knack for harmony singing. My dad was uh, an awesome guitar player, self-taught, and um, really had a, a massive, broad appetite for music. Mm -hmm. So I grew up around a lot of different kinds of music in that context. Um, my mom's mom played the piano. She loved show tunes, so I knew a lot of like the old Broadway show right. tune hits. And we just did a lot of singing. I, I grew up... In, in a context where music was something that people actually made in real life and not necessarily to perform or be like a star on MTV or something, but that it was just kind of like woven into the fabric of 
of our lives. It's funny when I describe it, it kind of sounds, it always sounds a little bit like storybook fantastical, but that's really what it was. Yeah. And, um, and my, my brother too, he's, he's a teacher now, but he, uh, still plays piano and sings really beautifully. And, um, I just, I, I can't, overstate like what a difference it makes or is made to me growing up in a, in a musical family i i i've heard a number of musicians say similar stories mm. uh, how important it is and i think it's something a, a lot of families forget about you know music isn't something you just turn a radio on it's something you make yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i i it feels sad when you know you encounter people who don't I mean, not everybody's going to have, like, an innate musical right. talent, but right. just the sense that it's not for special people to sure. do. It's for all of us. Exactly. Aside from myself, any, everybody can sing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it's something that I think people need to do more of. And, uh, you know, but, but you've grown it into something that um, is so beautiful. Now, were you realizing that music was always going to be part of your life? And is this the direction that you wanted to go in? No, you know, I mean, I, I think I, I knew that music, as I said, was right. just like woven into the day-to-day -day fabric, but no, it was not clear to me, um, first of all, that I wanted to make music my career, and then um, even once I had decided to study music in school after a year mm -hmm. in college, studying Spanish and international relations and being really interested in sort of society and politics, um, I really felt like music was missing and, and I, and I wanted to learn about it in a, in a more, um, uh, yeah, in an institutional context, I guess, mm -hmm. at that point. Um, but it still took me a while to realize that songwriting as its own craft, apart from learning to sing in a choir or play an instrument, yeah. that, that, that was really a skill unto itself and something that I, that I really loved and had some kind of raw knack for. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then even to, to own that and to hone that and take it on, um, you know, plenty of people have these stories of just like, I always wanted to be a blah, blah, blah. But mm -hmm. for me, it was a really slow realization and, and something that I think is still unfolding in some way, yeah. like... I'm still meeting myself. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> sometimes that's frustrating, but it's also, I guess as I'm saying it now, it feels exciting um, to, to know that there's like still more that can be revealed. Sure, sure. yeah. You, you, we don't want anybody to be a one-hit wonder. You know, it's, <laughs> it's one of these things that continues to grow, and that's, I think that's what makes a wonderful songwriter. But do you remember when you wrote your first song? Do you remember? You know, no. <laughs> I, it's, it's, I, I do remember there was a song. I, I made up songs when I was really little uh -huh. that um, still exist in family memory, <laughs> actually. I must have been relentless in singing them over and over. Um, I think I really started writing songs kind of in the way that I write them now, right. more or less, probably when I was about 13 or 14. And even then it was... Um, I don't know. It was actually for a long time something that I did. Like I have tons of songs that I I wrote, and they were really just for me. I never shared them or played them, you know, except for my own enjoyment. Mm -hmm. um, th that you know, go back to my teenage life and into my twenties. Um, but uh, I guess I really started thinking of myself as a songwriter. Um, 
uh, maybe about eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And and even then, it was like, well, wh- how does this make sense in the practicality of performing and recording and being in the world? I, at that point, really didn't feel like I wanted to be a traveling troubadour playing guitar and singing because the ideas that I had for the music were so much more complex than what I could communicate singing and playing by myself and so my early forays into into that like involved lots of people and really specific orchestration lots of percussion and singing Mm -hmm. and um it's unwieldy traveling with seven people to try and play shows and make sure everybody gets fed um so and also you know as time has gone on my the music keeps leading me in different directions. Um, well, and I'm just trying to trust that. Yeah. Well, your, your previous album, uh, that came out in 2013 was Gene Rowe and the end of the world show, which is, uh, different from what we're, we're seeing now on sisterly. Yeah. Uh, it was a process to go from that to this. I do. Yeah. I think I just sort of discovered then the songs that I was writing after Gene Rowe and the end of the world show, which does decidedly belong to that era of, many many people and lots of uh percussion instruments and kind of these intricate melodic lines and um that the new stuff I was writing was more um more playable by me as a soloist and really and and really I was asking for um more of a rock setup in some ways Mm -hmm. um in terms of accompaniment and that was not intentional or by design it was just kind of where where the writing was leading me where the music takes you yeah well i'd like to play a song from the the cd directly so we can uh, let our listeners hear what you're doing in in the studio sure um i think we've chosen the song wings all right um which would you like to introduce this one explain this one to us sure i can say a little bit about it so um some of the stuff that I do as a musician, uh, it takes me to all kinds of places, um, including recently um, some performances and workshops for people who are incarcerated. And so Wings is a song that grew out of some of my early experiences um, co-leading workshops at a maximum security facility and um, reflecting as I left on... Um, the fact that I would go home and have a beer and sleep in my bed and the people that I had been connecting with all day were likely going to be there for many more years. Just sort of the specifics of that and the broader cultural trend that that represents. So this is Wings.
hammers and the nails Or the notion that they could climb Out from underneath their crimes But the watches and the clocks Gene Rowe from the new CD, Sisterly, the song Wings. Gene, it's such a, a lovely CD. And, and it, this was produced by your, your other musical partner, Liam Robinson. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that was such, such a pleasure working on this record with him and working in a new way. I feel like every time I record, it's like a totally different adventure, a totally different recipe. Uh-huh. And um, really great to have Liam by my side figuring it out (laughs) (laughs) it it helps to have a producer i mean because you know there's so much involved in in making a cd uh the the creative end of creating the songs that 
but then sitting there and, and you need a producer that's going to help guide you and, and do that. And, and you've known Liam for a while. You've been working together yeah. and, uh, as a duo. You a little, little different from what you do here, though, isn't it? Yeah, Liam. So Liam and I have been friends for 15 years now, I think, and, um, and partners uh, in life <laughs> for the last six of those years now. Um, and we have a duo called Robinson and Rowe that we both write music for and arrange for. Um, Liam plays banjo and accordion and sings beautifully in that duo. And uh, that music is a little more like acoustic, rootsy right. kind of stuff. Um, we're starting to work on a new record now called Wait and See that's going to have a little bit more of a fleshed out band sound. And that's been fun to, to work on. But Liam is a great songwriter and it's really fun for me to work on our music together and find the songs. Sometimes I'll be writing something new and I'll say, I'll know that it's a song for Robinson and Row mm -hmm. and maybe less for the repertoire for my band. So they really are two discrete sure. projects and, uh, and it's fun. We, we, our last record hunger came out in 2017 and we did quite a bit of touring around that. Um, so Keep you posted about Definitely. the next one. Yeah. He's, he's quite a busy guy, too, isn't he? Yeah, well, yes. So Liam is music directing uh, Anais Mitchell's Broadway smash hit, Hades Town, right uh -huh. now, um, and playing those shows. Um, so that's been another adventure. He's, he's a man of many talents, <laughs> and uh, just I'm really proud to see him up there doing sure. that. Yeah. It's great. You know, the, the contemporary folk community that we're all part of is... Uh, so diverse and you're getting you know getting Hades Town on Broadway was such an amazing an amazing event for not only for Aeneas but for all of us I think that that, that, that love this music and I think it's uh, it's an inspiration and I'm glad to see that Liam's uh, involved with that and uh, you know, yeah it just adds a whole nother facet to, to everybody's music it's so inspiring to see an artist make something that's that ends up becoming way bigger than mm -hmm themselves i mean not just in the sense of it being a broadway show but really um i think so many people in my music community feel connected to that work because they actually have been able to touch it at some point sure. in its life and um that's really special and rare yeah mm -hmm. well your project sisterly uh you know this is a little bit of a departure for you as well how did how did this whole whole cd come about i mean were you instinctively writing to create this project no you know i i mean the 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 songs on sisterly are a collection of songs that were written in the span of a few years mm -hmm. um that all seemed to make sense together yeah. as i as i um n not even necessarily from a from a musical standpoint although there's some of that too but in terms of the content of the lyric and some of the questions I'd been thinking about around um, my own womanhood and my complicated relationship with that as an identity. And then also um, the ways that we relate or don't relate to one another. So um, I guess I was thinking a lot about, about walls. I mean, wings that we listened to earlier, of course, deals with the lives of people who are incarcerated there's uh just songs about how hard it is to tell somebody that you love them yeah. um songs about people who have migrated and are having a hard time finding a place to uh 
to be because of the fear, really, that um, that motivates so much um, action and hard-heartedness in this mm. time. Um, so in some ways, really, the, the like thematic through line of this record is, a, is about the ways that our desire for power and self-preservation and protection can get in the way of truly connecting mm -hmm. um, with another person. Um, and it's obviously all influenced by the world around you and everything that's going on. The world around me and the world inside of me, <laughs> yeah, too, yeah. just as much, um, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, if I get back to the song Wings again, I, you, you mentioned that you were uh, involved in, in, in people who were incarcerated. That, how, how did you get involved with that? Because that seems like such, a, such an experience that, mm -hmm. that, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's different from what you're doing, but that, that, you know, that's a real commitment. To, yeah. to be part of something like that. And, uh, and that's got to affect you. Obviously, you got the song from that, but uh, does it affect you in other ways as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's a very complicated yeah. piece of my life. Um, I work in Carnegie Hall's Musical Connections program, and, um, or rather I should say the social impact programming that they do in a number of capacities. Um, recently, I've been working in the Lullaby Project that Carnegie Hall does um, with mothers, but also all kinds of parents, caregivers, um, where artists pair up with parents or parents-to-be to write a lullaby, especially for their child. Mm -hmm. And so that happens in all kinds of settings all over New York City and now around the country and around the world. Um, I've been working a lot on Rikers Island with moms who are incarcerated there, who are either pregnant or have children there or on the outside. It's it's um, it's so awesome meeting those people because there are some really cool songwriters and really amazing songs to be written, and I always feel artistically um, challenged and inspired by the 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 specificity of a, of the project that we're working on. You know, right. here we are. It's you and me. I want to know about your child. I want to know about your life and your struggles, the things that you want to say in a song to your child or the things that you need to say in a song for yourself or for your family or for the world about parenthood in this moment. And people really choose to approach that in so many different ways. Um, and it's really, I've learned so much um, through helping to facilitate that. But it is really hard to watch the people who are serving time there and also the people who work there mm -hmm. um, and the inhumanity of the system and the circumstance that, um, that causes so much suffering. I mean, it's really, it's people, yeah. people who build the systems and people who, who create the structures and um but it's also these structures kind of perpetuate themselves and um and i'm not apart from that yeah uh i do wonder sometimes the you know i, I know that what i do there brings value to my life and i think it brings value to the lives of the people i'm working with also i don't want to encourage 
moms to be separated from their kids, whether they're at the border or whether they're in Queens, New York right. or anywhere, you know. Um, so it definitely leaves me with a lot to struggle with. Is it a struggle getting these women to work with you? I mean, here they are sharing their stories, and here you are, a songwriter coming in. Are they suspicious of what you're doing, or is, is, is that oh, a problem? Sometimes. It varies a lot from person to person and circumstance to circumstance. I mean, you know, there's this power imbalance already built yeah, in, yeah. right? I'm a person who gets to leave at the end of the session, and they don't. Um, I am a person who knows music quote-unquote and they're whoever they are but the reality is if we can get quickly to the to a conversation about the kid and the things that they want to say or um express i mean so sometimes i'm the person who's like oftentimes most of the time i have so much to learn about music and about um you know, where those folks are coming from. So, yeah, sometimes people can be suspicious. Sometimes people are really depressed. Sometimes people are really excited and enthusiastic. Um, and sometimes people are confused. I mean, yeah. all kinds of scenarios present themselves. I just try to show up with an open mind and a willingness and a trust that, like, that creative energy is going to connect us to each other and connect us to the to the muse, you know, really. I mean, there are plenty of times that I go in and I'm like, do I have any more songs in me? Do we? And and there's always someone on the other end who's who's meeting me with that same question and we figure it out together. Uh-huh. That's got to be so rewarding too. And some musicians, it's artists would I think would shy away from doing something like that, but I'm glad you're 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 doing this and you know, I think it's it's evident in your work the the creativity that is shared back and forth. I think that that probably helped uh, make sisterly what it is. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, really in thinking about this question of my own womanhood and, and, uh, and power and connection. I mean, do you really, that's so on display in a, in a place like prison. Um, so I don't even know if I could trace my thought process back directly uh-huh. um to that place but it's definitely part of me now sure mm-hmm. well you, you you're writing some great songs gene Rowe is with us today uh gene how about doing another song for us now from from sisterly sure um i think i want to play this song called never enough um and what can i say about this this is uh this is a little song that goes out to the to the walls that we build inside of ourselves, let's say, um, those things that keep us from being the fullness of who we are. And it goes like this. Keep you satisfied 
And I think maybe this time I'll get it right Maybe we can celebrate instead But just wanna get you and I can see That it isn't good enough Isn't good enough No It's never enough, is it? It's just never fast enough. Don't dawdle no money, you'll be left behind the wall. So I pick up the pace, I pick it up, and I rub it up, rub it up, we're playing rough. Still, I find my toes are on the starting line, and you've left me in the dust. Cause I'm never good enough No, I'm never ever good enough How oh, I, I, how oh, I, I, how oh, I, oh yeah, oh yeah How oh, I, how oh, I, how oh, I, how oh, I, oh yeah, oh yeah I am bending over backwards I am running over time face cause I got you in my mind don't you know every waking minute of the day and it's laying me lost suffocating me blue in the face it's a game that can't be won still you say try again babe that was fun I should really call your bluff but I can't seem to get enough 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 I'm never enough for you And so there's never enough for me Still somehow you thought that I would stick around and around and around But you say there's never enough money Not enough time or love or joy Well, hey, that's tough Cause frankly dear, my patience is in short supply And I have had enough I have had enough For you know I've had enough song that appears on the CD, Sisterly, and Gene is with us today in the studio. And if you can never get enough of Gene, then I suggest October 16th is coming <laughs> Wednesday, 
you head over to Rockwood Musical Stage 3. Uh, Jean and her band will be there. Uh, what time is the show? Is that a 7? It's at 8.30. 8.30 show. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're doing that with... Um... Shana Taub, a f- fabulous songwriter, uh-huh. is uh, opening up for us. And, and then the band and I will be playing right after. Oh, I'm lovely. Yeah. And you've got a busy week ahead of you. You're going to be in uh, New Hampshire uh, on Thursday. Uh, right. With uh, the Anna Eggy trio as well. Yes, yes, that's going to be awesome. Uh, let's see, on Friday, you're going to be in North Kingstown, Rhode Island at the Pump House Music Works with your band. Saturday, you're going to be at the Community Church of Boston in none other than Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> and uh, on next Sunday, you're going to be uh, at Flying Cat Music in Phoenix, New York. Phoenicia. Phoenicia, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, wow, it's a busy week for you. It's a busy week coming up, I know. I'm buckling in. (laughs) You you mentioned before about performing. Um, It's a different experience, obviously, than when you're in a studio, when you can, you know, manipulate sounds and do different things, experiment. Here you're with your band, you're live in front of an audience. Is that something that changes the music that you're doing? Oh, definitely. Yeah, because there's, there's a conversation happening in some ways with the people who are there um yeah i mean i definitely uh i definitely feel the music so differently from night to night um you know like on this run of shows that we're about to do um i can often look back at those times on the road and really sense how things came out so differently because of who was in the room and the energy that people Mm -hmm. were um, providing is one of those um, one of those things I really love about making music is that it's so different playing alone in your bedroom or singing with your family or sharing it on a stage with a bunch of people listening in or being in the studio messing up 50 times <laughs> before you nail it um, and uh, I don't know it just keeps the songs alive for me uh-huh. and each one I, you enjoy I mean you, you've got you can, you can perform as a solo artist like you're doing here today in our studio. Uh, you work with Liam. You work with your band. Uh, it, yeah. It's different for each each time as well. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. And different kinds of responsibilities, too. You know, mm-hmm. certainly playing solo, there's a lot of freedom that can come with that. Um, and also a lot more responsibility to carry the songs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, working with a band that you trust, it's such a good feeling. Um, but really like a responsibility to stay on top of things for mm-hmm. them too. Uh, the band that you're working with now, have they been with you for a while? Um, this is going to be a new kind of crew of folks. Liam's actually going to come out on this tour mm-hmm. with us and play keyboards and accordion and sing. Um, and then, uh, Devin Collins is playing drums and Mike Laval is going to be playing bass. And, um, they're all musicians I've worked with a lot in different other contexts, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so oh, that'd be cool. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, do you have any more shows coming up after that, or you just kind of put it all in one week and then you're going <laughs> to do something this else? Is, I think this is it for the sisterly shows for the time being. Uh-huh. Um, the next kind of phase is some more writing and prepping for the next Robinson and Rowe record. And um, right. and sometime really next year, I'm going to have a new uh, short EP come out of more pared-down solo um, 
songs where it's just mostly me and guitar and maybe mm-hmm. some sprinklings of other things. How do you work as a composer? Are you the type to say, okay, it's uh, Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock, i got to go sit down and, and write a song today? Or is it just <laughs> one of those things that kind of comes to you? Um, no, I do make myself sit down and huh. write. <laughs> I do make myself sit down and write even when there's not anything that is naturally coming to mind to write. Um, certainly if I have an impulse for something, you know, a, a mentor of mine once told me you have to follow the impulse. So yeah. just to go to, to get started on something when you have an idea is really important. That's the time when it's most exciting and freshest. Um, but yeah, you know, one thing that's been really helpful to me in terms of being consistent writing, um, I guess a couple years ago when Liam and I were on the road a lot, I stopped making new stuff so much and I started to feel like I wasn't myself. <laughs> it was not a good feeling. Um, and so I got together with a friend of mine who is also a songwriter, James Ship, and we committed to delivering a song, at least a song a month to each other, so that no matter what was going on, I at least had that as a kind of a target to, like, make something. And so plenty of months I write more than one song and some months I really just like got phone it in at the end of the month, but it's still something that's like connecting me to, um, to that part of myself in a consistent way. Right. It's been really good. That's like, uh, and Jack Hardy, we were talking with Scott Wilson before about Jack mm. I and mean, he had the songwriters exchange where he wanted you to come in with a new song each week. Yes. It didn't matter if it was good or not. And you got to start working on it. It's a process of writing that, uh, that did get you eventually to the, that great song that you're looking for. So true. You mm. got to just make anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Gene Rose with us today in the studio. And uh, Gene, we, we mentioned it earlier. There's a song that you wrote, uh, I guess it was back in 2012, maybe earlier than that, called National Anthem, Arise, Arise. And it's gained a lot of attention. Uh, I was first introduced to it by Beverly Grant, who... Uh, Gave me a copy that she sang with the Brooklyn Women's Chorus. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I believe other people have recorded it as well and, and singing it. Uh, tell us about this song. And, and maybe if I could ask you if you would mind performing it for us today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I wrote this song a while back. It was at least 2012, maybe uh, the year before. Um, I <laughs> There's a radio show uh, called Studio 360 on NPR um, out of w- WNYC, and they did a, um, they had a listener challenge that I happened to hear one day. I was making breakfast or something on the weekend. Um, they asked their audience to rewrite the national anthem of the United States, and their issue with it was, you know, nobody can sing it. <laughs> it's got this massive range and the, so right. many words, and why can't we just have a national anthem that we can really sing? And, um... I heard that and I thought, you know, I have different issues with the current national anthem. I wonder what it would be like to write, uh, to, to take this challenge on and write my own national anthem. And, uh, and so I did. And the first draft of it was like, fine. Um, it was kind of coming at a perfect time for me because I had spent a lot of time learning about Latin American music styles and Brazilian music and really, um, dedicating a lot of myself to music traditions um, from beyond the borders of my own country. And I was starting to think about, um, my own Americanness and what that meant to me right around the same time that this challenge came up. Um, 
anyway, that first draft was fine, and I, but I, I really liked what I had begun to make, and um, I worked on it some more, and um, until I had, yes, this this national anthem, Arise, Arise, which um, we recorded with a brass ensemble and a chorus that included friends and neighbors, lots of. Um, amateur and professional singers my parents came and sang on the recording and uh it's i'm really proud of it and 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 that kind of you know that that we put it out there and that was its thing playing it at shows and um but really after the 2016 election it, um it kind of re-emerged or emerged in a new way for for people um and uh, yes, as you said, Bev Grant has recorded it um, herself and also with the Brooklyn Women's Chorus. Um, one day I opened my email inbox and I had a, an email from David Wilcox, no subject line, and, and there was a, a, an attachment in the email and I thought, is this David Wilcox, like the songwriter? Why is he sending me an MP3? And I opened it up and... There he was in his beautiful voice and gorgeous open tuning guitar covering my song. Don't even, I mean, it's a crazy convoluted story of how that got to him, but it's been really gratifying seeing that song like have its own life outside of my nest. <laughs> uh, could I ask you to, to perform it today for us? You got it. This is National Anthem Arise Arise. Cheers. 
responsibility to be guardians of our liberty till tyrants bow to the people's dreams and justice flows like a mighty stream arise arise I see the future in your eyes to a more perfect union we aspire and lift our voices from the fire arise arise i see the future in your eyes one more perfect union we aspire and lift our voices from the fire First of all, thank you for singing that today. And second of all, thank you for creating that song. Mm. That is just so needed for this time. Did you ever submit it to uh, the, the radio show? <laughs> you know, I did. And uh, uh, they didn't really actually end up having a contest at the end. It was oh, more sort of like, you know, yeah. like let's, let's stimulate some creativity among our, uh, well. among our listeners. And I really appreciated that. You know, I think that... Um, it, it's cool to have those opportunities. Sure. Yeah. It's a song that's going to have some legs, too. I think uh, you're, you're going to be hearing more people singing and recording that song. And uh, oh. Who knows? Maybe someday. <laughs> Maybe someday. <laughs> I'm very happy with yeah. what, what its life looks like right now, too. Uh, well, Gene, I'm, I'm so thankful for, the, for you to coming by today. And again, remind our listeners, October 16th, that's this coming Wednesday, You'll be at Rockwood Music Hall, uh, Stage 3, and that's 8.30 p.m. show. Yep. And they're located at 185 Orchard Street in New York City. And then you've got other shows in, in uh, New Hampshire on Thursday, in North Kingston, Rhode Island on Friday, Boston on Saturday, uh, Phoenicia, New York on Sunday. And your website, if they want to find more information about all these shows and your music, <laughs> what, what is that? That's Gene Rowe, R-O-H-E, Gene like blue jeans, GeneRowe.com. Uh-huh. Well, Gene, thanks again for coming by today. And uh, we're going to end with um, the song that actually begins uh, Sisterly, a song called Live. Uh, you want to say something about this one? Oh, yeah. I I wrote this song one night on the little Wurlitzer piano, um, thinking about love in the age of uh FaceTime and screen connections. Uh, and it's it's just about needing to be with somebody live. Well, Gene, thanks again for coming by today. We really appreciate it. And we hope to see you again real soon next year when the, the Robinson and Row album comes out. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much, Ron. This has been a pleasure. <laughs> thanks, Gene. I don't listen to the radio. I ain't watching any TV. I don't listen to those CDs or MP3s. I don't watch a lot of movies. I just need to have you live, live all the time. Live in front of me. Oh, I got to see you live, live all the time. Got the power that I can't hold now, honey. Ooh, I got to have you live. I don't listen to the radio. CDs or MP3s I don't watch a lot of movies I just need to have you 
Straining at the seams and 